Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics, from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life. Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corin. I'm Wendy McConnell. So David, we're going to be talking today a little bit about the sources of income while you're in retirement. Yes, there are a variety of ways to draw income in retirement. And, you know, let's face it, when you reach retirement, you start to think, well, I'm not going to have a paycheck. You know, where's my money going to come from? Uh, and a lot of people think, well, from my investments, but then how do I take it out? We'll talk a lot about that. Uh, and then also, I do want to try and touch on some of the ways to build money and save money for retirement that can provide income sources in retirement. We'll talk a little bit about Social Security, IRAs, Roth IRAs, and then other sources of income that we see that people have. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of things like rental income. It's really nice in retirement. So we will hit on a lot of those topics today. So let's let's hear some examples then. You just mentioned um, rentals. You know, that's one way. What are some yeah. other examples of personal retirement income? Well, I mentioned IRAs. So you have, if you have an IRA available to you, that's a tax deferred investment that when you pull it out in retirement, you have to pay taxes on it. If you've built that up over time, uh, many people, when they retire, if they have a, a 401k or a 403b or a 457 or any other type of uh, employer-sponsored retirement plan, they will often roll that money into an IRA. And then the IRA becomes how they get their money out. They, they tap into the IRA for income. Another source of retirement income I mentioned was Roth. Roth IRAs are, you don't get the tax deduction going in but the growth is tax-free. So when you take the money out of the Roth, you do not pay tax on it, which is a wonderful thing in retirement. Investment accounts. So a lot of people have brokerage accounts that they build money up in. Um, they may have gotten windfall income. They put that money in a brokerage. A lot of times we see people that got big bonuses or stock option payouts, things like that. And they'll build up a nice investment account that's it's taxable, but it's a nice can be a nice source of income in retirement. There are surprisingly a lot of people that choose to work part time in retirement to supplement their income, or delay taking Social Security or something like that, so they work longer, so they can push out when they have to pull money out of their retirement plans, like or or take Social Security. Inheritance is a big source of income for a lot of people. You know they don't necessarily it's not necessarily something you count on but hey if you a lot of people do inherit money in retirement mm -hmm. i mean i'm dealing with a situation right now i just actually got a call this morning for that a client had uh, passed away last night i'm working with the kids already who will be inheriting the assets so and it's significant so it's not like it's something to sneeze at you know it it can be quite significant sometimes not so much, but sometimes it is sizable. So inheritance can be a source of income. I mentioned re rental real estate because a lot of people 
you know, that's a big fad, you know, getting rental real estate. But let's say you inherit the, your parents' house and they've passed away. They've got a small house. It's already paid for. You've inherited it. Uh, you could sell it and that could be windfall income. And there's no tax due on that, by the way, because of the step up in basis on the house. And, or you could rent it out and have a stream of income provided to you. That's something that we see a lot of. And I encourage rental real estate. Uh, it can be a really nice source of income. I have clients that have significant rental real estate portfolios that provide a lot of really wonderful income in retirement. And let's face it, rental income has a lot of advantages. First of all, from a tax perspective, you could have tax write-offs because they're the cost of maintaining. Uh, you have an inflation hedge because you can increase your rent over time. Uh, now, there are downsides to rental real estate. Obviously, you know you have tenants that may not pay. They may trash the place. They may do things you don't like. I mean, so there are there are risks. That's a big deal, though, David. That's oh, yeah, I know it's a bit. So you, it is something you you have to be. I always tell people, look, think about rental real estate as like another little side business. Yeah, because it really is. You have to think of it in those terms. But there are benefits, definitely, because if they trash the place, hey, you get a big tax write off. So. <laughs> So you, I mean, you actually no that. that. Yeah, you can deal with things like that. <laughs> uh, there are products out there like life insurance and annuity that you can use for income purposes. If you had built up a cash value life insurance, you can borrow from that in retirement and it's actually tax-free income potentially. I mentioned social security. Obviously here in the United States, uh, you know, we do have a, a social safety net and it's called social security. And for many people, it can be quite significant. Um, we just had a big um, cost of living increase in that. And Social Security benefits can be significant, if, especially in a married couple situation. You can see benefits get up in you know, well over $50,000, $70,000 a year just in Social Security income. Now, you may, may, that may not be enough to live on, but it is certainly a nice supplement to other income. Obviously, employer-sponsored plans, which I mentioned earlier, 401ks, 403bs, 457s, things of that nature, TSA accounts, if you work for the federal government, and also pensions. So there are many public companies in the United, in the United States now no longer have pensions, uh, but many people had pensions and they still, they've been grandfathered in. So that when they retire, they're going to get a pension. And when you work for the state or federal or local government in the United States, they still have pension programs out there. And many people go to work. Well, I could call them almost double, triple dippers. So uh, we have people that retire from the military after 20 years in the United States. Then they go to work for the government and work for 20 years. <laughs> and so they get their military pension, they get their government pension, and they're going to get Social Security. <laughs> wow. So it's a true, I call them triple dippers, but that can be a nice source of income for people in retirement. Uh, and then in many cases, when I see that any money that they have saved and set aside, say in a 401k or 403b or 457 or an IRA account, many times that money is like extra money. It, it provides, you know, just sort of a, uh, they can think of it as, you know, this is what I might, this might be my legacy that I leave behind, or it can be my fun money to do my travel and my fun things in retirement. So, so there are a lot of different sources of income out there that levers that people can pull. And I try to make sure that people understand that they also want to be as flexible as possible. So you want as many different buckets as possible for drawing your income. 
So you want to have a Roth IRA. You want to have a taxable account. You want to have a tax deferred account. It gives you a lot of opportunity to, to sort of move around for tax reasons. In many cases, it gives you a lot of flexibility in retirement on where you draw the your income from. Uh, and those decisions are, I, are driven most of the time by tax considerations in retirement. Because a lot of people think, and we talked last session about the fact that, hey, Social Security benefits are taxed. And yes, you do have to pay taxes in retirement. You know, IRA, qualified money, all of that, when you pull it out, it's taxable income. And so trying to make sure that you keep your taxable income at a level that is acceptable from a tax perspective for you, and you don't create issues for yourself uh, by having to pay more for Medicare Part B premiums or having to have more of your Social Security tax than you would really want to, because that can become an issue. Then you try to, that, that sort of drives the decision on where we draw the money from. So there seems to be a lot of apprehension and confusion around these sources of income. What is some of the, you know, most frequently asked questions? A lot of people don't understand, hey, can I live off of my social security benefits? Because maybe they thought they could, you know, and a lot of times that's not the case. You know, for most people, social security is a supplemental income source. It should not be, in most cases, your only source of income, because quite honestly, it's not a whole lot. Let's face it. Uh, Social security benefits are nice, but they're not huge. You know, they're probably not going to replace all of your income. Pensions are, can be very complicated. You know, for the government, there can be all these different options around pensions, different ways to calculate what your benefits are based on service years, number of hours work, previous, you know, highest salary. There's all these levers and trying to understand that can be very complicated and confusing. The other thing question I get a lot is when should I take social security? Because you can take it as early as age 62, but you can also wait to age 70. Now there's no advantage to waiting past age 70, by the way, but you can take it as early as 62. Uh, you hit full retirement for most people. Now it's around 67 is full retirement age. And then you can wait another three years to take it. And each year that you wait, your social security benefit goes up by about 8% a year. In addition, you're gathering any cost of living adjustments. So it can be very advantageous to wait. And there's more than just the advantage to you individually. There's also the advantage for your spouse. So let's say you've got a two earning household. Uh, one person made less money than the other. Uh, what we usually look for is the person who had the higher income flow and is going to have the higher social security benefit. We encourage them to wait to age 70 because when one person passes away in retirement, you know, later on, somebody, you know, unfortunately, we're all going to die. So we have to take that in consideration. But let's say the, the higher earning person is the one who waited, you're going to get the higher benefit. So the remaining spouse always gets the higher benefit, whether that's the spouse who had the higher income and it was their benefit, they get to keep it. They just lose the smaller benefit, but the smaller benefit person gets the higher benefit if that person passes away. So it's a, it's a planning that we go sort of look at because you think about there's also an increase in taxation at the first death too. So we call it the widow's tax uh, because what happens at the first death is your tax rates go up, believe it or not, because now you're a single file filer rather than married and you don't get the same tax breaks 
Okay. So increase in taxes and a reduction in income because you do lose one of the social security benefits. Right. So having to deal with that can be, you know, you want to make sure that you plan for that appropriately because eventually it, it can happen. And a lot of people wonder, well, if I'm going to wait on taking social security, then where do I take money from? And should I pull money from the IRA first? Should I pull it from my investment accounts first? You know, how do I, you know, should I pull it from the Roth that I've got set aside over here? Should I do Roth conversions? All these questions come into play to try to figure out where do we pull the money from first? And again, a lot of that has to do with taxation. One of the big advantages of waiting on social security is that it gives us time to do some Roth conversions and take advantage of some lower tax brackets before you start drawing social security. So we do that a lot for clients where we sort of do this planning and then that three-year period, four-year period, whatever, before they start, when they once they retire until they start taking Social Security, that's the time period. Income's very low. Tax rates are therefore very low. So we have this window that we can do Roth conversions where we realize income, pay the taxes, but now we've converted taxable money into tax-free money and increased the amount of tax-free money we have in our tax-free bucket which is the Roth IRA side of the equation. So that those are some of the things that we run into. And people really have a lot of questions and apprehension, or they just don't understand. They haven't educated themselves to realize all of these options are available to them when they get to retirement. Well, every time people, you know, educate themselves, then they change all the rules again, David. <laughs> well, yes, to to a large extent. I mean, everything's changing, especially taxes. I always say, you know, it's great. You have to pay attention to taxes, but know that those will definitely be changing. So the rules do change. Uh, and the rules around how much you can set aside in an IRA. Right now, you can put $6,500 a year into an IRA. If you're over age 50, you can put $7,500. That's not a lot because you can put a lot more into a 401k. In fact, you can put about $28,000 a year into a, a, a 401k. So it's a pretty big difference. Uh, there's also SEP IRAs for, for, for people who have their own businesses. There are SEP IRAs, there's simple IRAs, there's uh, single employer 401ks or, or small business 401ks that allow individual employers to set aside a lot more than what they can put into an IRA, which is the $7,500. So there's a lot of uh, flexibility with using these plans to build up and save for your retirement. And that's critical. So, um, you know, those are, those are some of the considerations that we look at. And the other thing that people have struggled with is their employer sponsored plans, because they really maybe just really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. They knew they had one, there was a match that they got from their employer, maybe on the 401k, uh, say 5% of salary or something like that. And they said, well, I'll put 5% in because that's free money and I'll take advantage of that. And by the way, I would say that's the minimum <laughs> that you should set aside uh, is the match. You really should do more than that. But a lot of people don't think about it and they don't even realize what the benefits are or how to take that money out. Can I leave the money at the employer? There's a lot of questions around those employer sponsored plans. And I think in our next episode, we're going to delve into that a little more 
to talk through the different types of plans that are out there, how they work, what some of the options are with pulling money out of those types of employer-sponsored plans out there. So tell me everything I need to know about Social Security. Well, you know, it's based on the last, your 35 years of highest earnings. So they, it's a long period of time they're looking at. And a lot of people, you know, should realize that, hey, your, your income's the highest the last 10 years of working life usually. So that's going to negate a lot of your early years when you didn't make a lot of money, which is good. Uh, so those years drop off. So you want to make sure that check your social security statement to see, okay, hey, do they have all my income correct in here? Because they people, they send out this, the uh, social security department send out sends out a statement that does show your income history that they're using to calculate your benefit. Well, you should check that and make sure that, because they make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So you should check and make sure that uh, those numbers are correct for you. And then, you know, when you start thinking about when you can take benefits, the earliest, as I mentioned earlier, is age 62. And let's say you've retired early at, say, age 60. Well, the question becomes, do I take my benefits at age 62? Well, a lot of factors come into play then. Maybe. Uh, let's say you have health issues and you may not live to be 75 or 72. You're thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not in great shape. Hey, in those cases, maybe it does make sense to take that benefit early because there's sort of a break-even point. You sort of have to live past age 80 to really benefit from having waited to age 70 to take your benefits. And then there might be a point in between there that it makes sense to take it. So we do some calculations for clients looking at what makes the most sense. What year should you really start taking your social security benefit? And also what does that do from a tax bracket perspective? You know, it may limit our ability to do Roth conversions. It may put us in a position where more of your social security is taxable. One thing I do encourage people not to do is to take social security early and continue to work because there's a significant penalty if you continue to work on your social security benefits. Uh, so if you're still working and you've got social security coming in, they actually penalize you and cut your benefits significantly. People don't realize that a lot of times. It's, oh, I'll just take it, put it in the bank. Well, yeah, but social security is going to cut your benefit because you're going to look at your income and say, ah, you've got this income flow and you really didn't need your social security, so we're going to cut your benefit. There's a penalty. Will it, will it stay cut? Like, will it, like for the rest of the years or only while you're working? Only while you're working. So, okay. and, and this only applies prior to your full retirement age. I mentioned earlier, full retirement age for most people now is around age 67. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if you took the benefit at 62, you've got a five year period there where you could be looking at penalties yeah. on your Social Security benefits if you're still working. So, I, I discourage that. The only time I would say it makes sense is if there's health issues and you don't, and you're not continuing to work. And you really need the income to supplement what, what's coming in. Now, in some cases, we may have a lower earning spouse take the, because their benefit's really small, we may have them take at age 62 to supplement income um, because their benefit is sort of going to be limited anyway. So it may be makes sense. And then we have the other person wait to age 70 to take the, the full benefit. But there are a lot of benefits to waiting to age 70, especially if you have a history in your family, you're in pretty good health. And your family history shows, you know, you've got parents that are living well into their 80s. My wife's mother's 84 and her dad is 92. Okay, so 
she's there's some longevity genes there (laughs) and she needs the plan she needs to realize we want to wait as long as possible to take benefits for her um actually what we're doing is we're going to wait as wait for me to take my benefit because i have the higher income so my benefit's going to be really big i wait to age 70 to take my benefit because that way that benefit would then become hers if she outlives me which is likely because that's typical by the way in our planning we're always knocking off the man early because statistically that's what happens I well, you don't have to put it that way. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that is the case. I was just at a. We're actually dealing with some issues with my mother-in-law right now, and and I was talking to a gentleman at the at a, at the facility where we're considering. She's considering going. He's uh, eighty-eight, and he was complaining because he says I'm the only man on the floor. You know, because all the other people there are women. And so that's uh, statistically, that is true. I mean, yeah, there are men that live a long time. Don't get me wrong. You know, guys don't feel like, you know, it's just statistics. Okay. Not being (laughs) mean. (laughs) uh, But I actually uh, have clients that are well into their nineties that are men. So, and I have actually one client who's now 94, I believe. And his dad lived to 103. Wow. So, we're projecting a real long, and he's in very good health too at 94. So just amazing. You know, so a lot of people do live a very long time in retirement. Yes. You yes. know, they, and he's, by the way, he's one of the triple dippers too. So, he's oh, like, so he's, you know, got it made in the oh, shape. That's he has, he doesn't he have has, to stress about money. No, he doesn't. He doesn't even have to touch his assets at all. It's been amazing. <laughs> I mean, they've been just gifting, you know, having fun with it. Wow. <laughs> all these years. Jeez. Okay. So what else do we need to know? Well, I mean, I think it's real important that people get as educated as possible as soon as possible. So, you know, if you're over 50, you need to be finding out about this stuff. Let's face it. Retirement's not that far away. I mean, people, you know, usually don't even think about retirement a lot of times until, oh, it's right around the corner. Well, you need to do some prep. Okay. You know, give yourself 10 or 15 years to really think through what is my retirement going to look like? And what are my benefits? What are my options? What's available to me? Check with your HR department if you work for a company and find out, get a break. They'll tell you that's what they're there for. They're more than happy to, to walk you through your options and let you know how much more you could be saving through the 401k or 4057 or what have you. And they talk about the matches and all of that. And they can talk about your benefit structure and they can explain if you are lucky enough to have a pension, they can explain it to you in a lot of detail. So get educated about where your sources of income will come from. You know, where's my income going to come from in retirement? You need to understand that. Check with social security to get your benefits. They don't send them out to everybody. So, you know, you, but at any time you can go online and check your social security benefits. So get your statement, understand what your benefits are going to be and understand how you will be able to access them as well. So that's the other thing. A lot of people have, don't even think about that. Okay. Well, I'm retired. Uh, I've got a big 401k, but how do I get the money out? And so understand what your options are. That is really critical. So educating yourself and identifying what are my options? Am I going to get an inheritance? Could I buy some real estate and set up and have some real estate income in retirement? Is there a pension? What's my social security benefit? Do I have money in a qualified account? Do I have Roth accounts? 
understand everything about that you've got available to you so that you can plan accordingly. Sounds good. So, David, somebody has more questions. How can they get in touch with you? You know, I'm going to start giving my direct line out here. So area code 804-622-1722 is my direct line. I will pick up the phone. And if you if I can't, because I'm in a meeting, uh, I will get back as soon as possible. So call me there or go to our website, rvawealthmanagement.com. You can go in and click and get on my calendar for a complimentary consultation. And we'll talk through the issues with you and help you figure this stuff out yourself. All right. Sounds good. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.